We just sang to God, saying, I belong to you. And the Christian walk is just more and more every day, giving more of yourself over to God, allowing yourself to more and more be placed under the control of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to move into a time right now of confession, of saying, Father, of recognizing that there are parts of you and your life that need to come under his lordship. So if you'll sit, uh, but still remain in an attitude of prayer, For this part, we want to ask the Lord, which more directly influences my life? Am I defined more by my sin nature, or am I defined more by my spirit nature? So keep that in mind as we read these next verses. This is Romans 1, 1 through 14. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the spirit Think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the spirit control your minds leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God.
close your eyes. Ask the Lord, am I defined more by my sinful nature or my spirit nature? Am I defined more by what I want or am I defined more by Jesus and his Holy Spirit living in me? Just ask the Lord and just take a minute to be quiet. Now picture yourself kneeling in front of Jesus. His light shining on you. And knowing that in this moment, your heart, your mind, your soul are totally exposed. And as I said just a moment ago, the Christian life is about putting more things under his lordship and, and surrendering more to live in his spirit. So I'm just going to read some areas that are common for, for all people to fall short. And if I read one and it resonates with you and the Holy Spirit nudges you and said, this is something that we need to work with, on, then just confess it receive his forgiveness and in your heart turn away from that sin. And not all of these things will resonate with you. But if Jesus' spirit says we need to begin working on this, just confess it. Laziness and apathy in our Christian walk. We call ourselves Christians but spend more time with things than we do in the pursuit of God. More time with our stuff and the things we care about than with the word and prayer and in worship. And if God says this is an area to work on, just confess it and receive his forgiveness. Idolatry, giving our time and energy and passion and resources to things other than God. Giving them to things over God. Maybe your job. Maybe family. 
maybe entertainment or relaxation. Maybe to finances. Maybe to comfort. An unwillingness to share our faith. Father, I confess on behalf of all Christians everywhere, the Lord, that, that we have not been there to give the world hope. That the world has turned to things like drugs, that the suicide rate is climbing exponentially, that people are desperately searching for hope because the church has not been there sharing their faith the way that we should. That the drug epidemic in this world would be different if the Christians would be in the world sharing their faith a little more. Christian men, many of whom have been absent. Absent because they're working too much. Absent because they've walked out. Just emotionally absent. not fulfilling the role of the spiritual leader of their home. Christian parents failing to raise their children to follow God, not being there, allowing other things and other people to raise our Christian our our children in the Christian faith rather than being the spiritual influencers of their life. We don't take opportunities for us to teach them. We'll be upset that there's no children's church on Sunday, but this Sunday on the way home, we won't ask our children, what did you learn in church today? In this service, there's no age limit. God can teach them as much as he can teach you. Christians failing to engage the culture and truly disciple others. Which has led to the breakdown of our society and its families. We fail to follow the golden rule to do to others and treat others as we would not want them to do to and treat us.
being judgmental. We judge others. We judge others outside of the church. We judge each other within the church. We're quick to judge others when they don't see things the way that we do. We take so much time to judge all of those around us while the world is literally going to hell. Father, forgive us for all the time that we've spent judging others and forgetting the fact that people are going to hell while we're wasting our time. We're quick to sing amazing grace, but we're so slow to give it to others. Father, show each one of us people in our lives that we have not shown grace to. Show us places in our life where we're like the wicked servant in Jesus' parable, not showing grace and forgiveness that we've already been shown. We hold grudges. We're slow to forgive. We hold past offenses against others. We objectify people. Rather than seeing them as individuals made in the image of God, we see them as objects to be used. We objectify men and women, and the pornography industry continues to grow while Christians continue to use it. Men and women almost using it at the same rate today. All the while, sex slavery in the United States grows at an exponential rate because people see others as objects to be used, while others see no value in themselves other than to be used because no one has ever told them their value. We've accepted objectification to the point that we objectify ourselves, only feeling worth when we look a certain way. And then we promote it on social media. We have allowed unborn babies to be turned into objects that can be thrown away, terminated, and aborted because we don't see them as human beings 
They're objects that, we, that will inconvenience us. They're objects that will make our lives difficult. So we murder them and throw them away. Or maybe we're quick to care about unborn babies being aborted, but we're not interested in helping their mothers make better choices before they got pregnant. They see the hypocrisy of not being cared about by Christians until they want to abort a baby. We objectify peoples of race, ideals, political affiliations, religious beliefs, age, wealth, education. We base their value on having these things that we see as useful and not caring for them as individuals. We may not murder them, but we're quick to throw away people that we see as objects of inconvenience or difficulty or hardship. Many in our community are addicted, mentally ill, and in deep need, and we have chosen to walk on the other side of the street. Father, show us. Who do we walk on the other side of the street from? Like the Pharisee and the priests in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Who is it? Father, give us names, show us faces of people that we walk on the other side of the street from. Are you blessed? What has God blessed you with? We hoard our blessings. We hoard our resources, using them for ourselves rather than recognizing that God has blessed us with these things to bless others with these things. Rather than looking around to help the many who are hurting and in need. We gossip, we talk about others to others while never going to the person themselves. We crave power for ourselves. We focus on building our own little empires rather than building the kingdom of God. Father, we confess that we've done this for years as churches. We, more, we worry more about building our kingdom 
or building our empire rather than building your kingdom. We don't share our faith. We don't have gospel conversations. We don't help the poor, oppressed, fatherless, and widow. We don't make disciples. Father, too often we find ourselves living according to our sinful nature and not according to your spirit. We pray that you would forgive us. And we thank you and praise you because we know that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful thing that is. How amazing is your grace. Amen. Stand with me as we continue to worship. As God speaks to your heart, just deal with it however he's asking you to.
You may be seated. And still in an attitude of prayer, ask the Lord, which more directly influences my life? Am I allowing myself to be defined more by what I don't have? Or am I being defined more by the abundance of God's spirit? Just ask God. Am I allowing myself to be defined more by the deficiencies that I see? Or am I being defined more of by the abundance that I have in God's spirit. Romans chapter eight, starting at verse 20 says, against its will, All creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join with God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. All creation inherited God's curse when sin came. When sin came, the world was broken. It is broken. There is hatred. There is abandonment. Good people die young. Good people are stricken with disease. Good people lose everything. While evil people seemingly thrive. There is pain. There's physical hurting. There's emotional hurting. There's spiritual hurting. Because of sin, all creation has pain. Plants have thorns. Animals have predators. Beautiful seas turn into devastating hurricanes. Romans says that all of it, including us, groan to be released from this sinful and suffering world. And yet in verse 26... It says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And you even there see the empathy of God. Nature groans, we groan, and yet the Spirit groans for us. 
And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. When we're living life in the flesh, we groan because we're always feeling the emptiness of everything. How often do you complain right now? Can I suggest to you that complaining does not come from a place of being fulfilled, but a place of being empty? You know that, we all know that. But that when we're complaining, there's something in us that's not being fulfilled, not being filled. Can I suggest to you that a life that is full of complaining might be an indication of a life that's not currently experiencing the Holy Spirit? Is the Spirit able to be displayed in you as you complain? Maybe things aren't working together for your good because you're not doing things according to God's purpose. We love the verse in Christian circles that says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. But we leave out and are called according to his purpose. Maybe the reason that things aren't working it's because you're going in the opposite direction of God. But what did Paul say? Paul said that when we're living life in the spirit, it helps us in our weakness. That instead of complaining about the weakness we have, if we stay in God's spirit, if we're living life in the spirit, the spirit helps us in our weakness, and in fact, it groans for us. Not out of a place of sin and emptiness, but in fact, praying what we don't even know we need to fill us. It groans not from a place of brokenness. In fact, the very opposite, it groans from a place of harmony with God's will. So take a moment in prayer. Again, picture yourself kneeling before Jesus. What do you complain about? What do you worry about? What brokenness keeps coming back to your heart? Maybe you even keep continuing to pray about this over and over and over again. Maybe just those things, maybe in this moment, as you kneel before Jesus, you just push those over and hand them over to him. And you 
just simply pray, pray a prayer and say, God, I don't know what to pray about this anymore. Holy Spirit, pray for me. Put me in harmony with God's will for me. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to pray for anymore. I don't know what it is that you want or what you're doing. I just keep coming back to this. So, Father, I'm just releasing it to you. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to pray in harmony with God's will for me. And then just leave it there. Leave it at that. Just, Holy Spirit, pray for me. So again, what are those things you complain about? What are those things you worry about? What are those things that you keep constantly coming back to? Just in this moment, ask the Spirit to pray for you. And then just wait. Wait on the Spirit.
starting at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. For we know that all creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up till the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. 
we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. And then if you jump down to 31, it says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us of whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just in this moment, in prayer, ask the Lord, which more directly influences my life? Am I allowing myself to be defined more by my struggle or am I being defined more by your spirit? Maybe you ask God it this way. Are the thoughts that dominate my thinking relating more to my struggles or are the thoughts that dominate my thinking more how to live like Jesus? Is the way I go through my day, the way I interact with people, is it based more on what I'm struggling with? Or is it based more on Christ's love for me and Christ's love for them? Or maybe I go through my day trying to avoid struggle. Maybe your life is defined more by trying to do everything that you can to avoid struggle. And I'm not saying you shouldn't try to make life easier on yourself, or I'm not saying that to be a good Christian you have to suffer all the time. That's not what I'm saying. 
But I'm saying that some of us crowd God out of our thinking because our thinking is dominated by trying to find comfort at all costs instead of living for the spirit at all costs. And by the way, if you're living in the spirit, there will be times in which you run head on into suffering. Maybe that's why some of you are struggling so much in 2020. You've made a God out of comfort. And if it is, if you've made comfort an idol, just confess it. Receive God's forgiveness. Repent, ask God to help you live in his spirit. Amen. The questions we need to ask, is my life defined by my struggle or the fact that I'm a child of the Most High God? Is my life defined that despite all of these things, I have overwhelming victory through Jesus? Is your life defined by the fact that you are convinced that nothing can separate you from God's love? Death, life, angels, demons, fears, worries, not even the powers of hell. All hell can't stop me now. No power in the sky above, earth below, nothing in all creation can separate me from the love of God. Because someone whose life is defined that way walks differently than someone who walks through their life defined by struggle. Maybe just right now, ask God. The way I walk through life, what kind of testimony does it leave? The way I go through life, what does it say about Jesus? Someone who walks through life in the spirit walks through life differently than someone who walks through life in the struggle. Father, which one am I? And maybe God's spirit just kind of nudged you and said, kind of need to rethink. Kind of need to move over and, and live more in my spirit. If God's spirit just gently is, is nudging you, maybe you just need to fully surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit in this moment. And just say, Jesus, all of me. All of me. Let me live as your son. 
let me live as your daughter. Let me live as one that knows that nothing can separate me from your love. As we sing this last song, just stand and stand in God's love. As we sing this song, help just allow the spirit to realign you so that you walk in his love, knowing that you're a son or daughter of the most high God and walk in the spirit, not in the struggle.
our prize Drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes If grace is an ocean we're all sinking And when heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss And my heart turns violently inside of my chest well, I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He So now there, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. You did not receive a spirit of fear, but you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Every person, whether outwardly or secretly, cries out for something. Most of them, whether they cry out in anger, pain, frustration, or sorrow, at the root of it, it's fear. But the question is, will we, will we, God's children, with the Father adopting us, with Jesus pleading for us, with the Spirit groaning for us, so that we may be more than conquerors, will we cry out in fear, or will we cry out to our Father? You hear a lot of fear. Heavenly Father, may we surrender our fear and instead live in the Spirit's power. May we be defined by your Spirit alive with us. May we live our lives believing, looking, acting, and going like your children. May we live in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Love you all. Hope to see you back here next week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay close to Jesus. We'll see you.